Hello and welcome to The Evocative Project. My name's Blake Bradford and I'm so happy to have you here today. The Evocative Project is all about building confidence from within, about having and knowing your why. Why you're doing what you're doing and with this project through my stories, co-hosts and guests, we're going to teach you the skills that you need to take on life and fulfill it with purpose. Hey guys, Blake Bradford here from Evocative. I thought I would take the opportunity to let you know about our mental fitness survey. It will come at no surprise that Evocative are passionate about helping individuals, athletes and business owners just like yourself improve confidence and build your mental fitness so that you can continue the emotional conversations with your friends and family. I invite you to join us on our quest to build mental fitness in our communities with a short four to seven minute survey that will allow Evocative to deploy the most valuable content and media based around exactly what matters to you most. You can find the survey on our website, which is evocative.com.au by simply scrolling halfway down the homepage and clicking on the mental fitness survey. We will also leave a link to our website in the show notes. Besides the great feeling of helping others, we will also be gifting you a $40 voucher that you can use on any purchase in the Evocative store. So let's build. Let's build mental fitness. Let's build empathetic confidence and let's stop suicide together. Thank you so much for your support and for now, Let's jump in to this incredible episode of The Evocative Project. G'day everyone, my name is Kyle and I'm the other half of Evocative. Welcome back to another episode of The Project. This week we flip the script and I get to fire some questions back at my good mate, Blake Bradford. His voice should be familiar to you guys considering he is usually the one that's hosting this podcast. During this episode, we cover a bunch of topics ranging from his upbringing through to his career, and then we also take a deep dive into two incredibly important relationships in his life that didn't really go the way he had planned. One of those being with his ex-partner, Tam, and the other one is his relationship with his father. Blake and I hadn't really spoken about most of the topics we cover today, so what you're going to hear is truly two mates getting beneath the surface and having a really raw conversation. Let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy. Beautiful. Welcome. Fancy seeing you here, Blakey. How are you going today? It's beautiful right. Saturday. I'm always good. You know that. Uh, today. Yeah, really, really yeah. good. Parked up in really paradise. Cool. Alrighty. So I guess I know you as my best mate, business partner, and, and all the rest. And the people listening might know you from the content you're putting out. Or, you know, they've just met you on the street and haven't been able to forget you in those Larry shirts or that positive energy. Um, so I guess to start off with, the way that you usually start start these um, these podcasts is, I guess, give us a little bit of a background into your 
upbringing and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you were on this first episode, so we can we can skip some of the the little details when we get further down into the Vima stuff. But um, yeah, growing up, what was it like in a house full of sisters? Um, and I guess I haven't asked you this before, but were your mu- your mum and father were they mum and dad? I guess were they married and then divorced, or they were just together? Yeah, right. Uh, thanks for having me, Kyle. It's a it's a great <laughs> great honour to be on the Evocative Project. Um, yeah, so my upbringing, I think it was, uh, I'd like to say it was pretty traditional. Um, mum and dad were married, um, for 18 years and they split up when I was, or yeah, split up when I was 12. So old enough to almost understand, um, and feel the emotions, but young enough to not really have any idea. I think what, um, I think the difference was, or what was easy through that time or easier was dad already worked away. So dad was, um, he drove highway trucks and for as long as I'd known him. Um, so he was never really home much anyway, but growing up with three sisters was the start of it. And I think when, when I look at that dynamic and then dad leaving or never being there and then when the separation happened he didn't even come home sort of thing so it was like I grew up with three girls or three sisters and mum mum's best girlfriend or one of her best girlfriends had five girls and then um the barbers who were where my best friend Jake was growing up um they had two sisters and Jake so essentially I grew up with Jake and 10 girls (laughs) so um yeah, I think it definitely played a role in who I am. But yeah, I, I grew up in Farley in Mackay in Queensland. Uh, went to the mm-hmm. school across the road. Played tennis from when I was about six till 14. So tennis was a massive part of my life through that period. Uh, when I when I was grade, would have been grade seven. We got um, a part of a extrata scholarship or contract sort of thing where we had a three-year term of training and traveling and playing um which was an incredible experience that um i think it yeah i look back on those things now and i'm like yeah those things i was actually talking about this last week and my commitment to things started then and that was something that dad really taught in me then was i wanted to leave when i was 14 to go play footy because went into high school started playing a bit of rugby league and really loved it loved that team camaraderie as you probably could understand that I'm a very much a people's person. Um, so the team sports really drew to me and dad played footy, which is interesting that he never really pushed anything on me in that regards, but I wanted to leave and start playing footy in under 14s. But dad said, no, you've signed up to this contract. You've got to adhere to it. You said you do three years, do you three years. You can play bits and pieces throughout, but your contract is for that three years. So stick it out. And so I stuck it out, uh, finished, finished that contract and then went into play rugby league in, in under 15s. And, uh, that, that year was, we made it to the grand final. Uh, unfortunately we didn't win. Um, but we did win the fight as much as, as much as, um, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And funnily enough, I actually grabbed my best mate's jersey that day. So I didn't end up um, punching on with anyone. (laughs) Um, I have heard that story. Um, But to get back to, like, so you said uh, you grew up in Farley and stuff like that. What's it like? Like for me, I know what Farley's like, but I guess for everyone else that's listening, 
that probably has no idea what Farley like. Like it's a very small little community outside of uh, Mackay there, which is also a small community compared to some of these other cities. So what was it like in that sort of dynamic, you know, growing up in a bit of a rural town? Yeah, it was, I loved it. Um, one of those, I guess you don't know any different, but I loved it. I, we had our little, we only had probably, I think when we graduated in grade seven, there was seven, there was 10 of us in grade seven. So it was, we were all clicky. Uh, we all were mates. Everyone, you know, got on really well. So I think there was a great community connection because it was so small. Um, and like I said, my best mate was Jake and then we had Bovi and all those people that I'm still friends with now um, because we were so close then. And then I think, yeah, I think it was great, man. Like we could just walk between each other's houses or ride push bikes a little bit further. And every afternoon you're sort of hanging out, playing footy down the school oval or whatever it was. So it was, it was a really great little community, I reckon. I um, You probably don't know that I know this, but um, so you're a pretty honest man these days. I'm not going to call the other person out, but you did say their name. So it's one of the people that you've already mentioned. Um, somebody assisted you, I believe, when you're about seven years old in starting your um, criminal career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, wow. I had fucking forgot that. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know, which is probably pretty much everyone, um, Blake had a mate um, that he was going to school with and there was a bit of a break-in at one of the schools and a tennis ball had gotten stolen. And then um, the person that stole, Blake didn't steal the tennis ball, but the person that stole the tennis ball asked Blake if he wanted one. And Blake being Blake said, you being you, said, yeah, mate, absolutely. And um, and then turned out to be you're an accessory to the fact. So that's when your criminals, criminal life was short-lived, I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't think I ever got written up for a criminal conviction, but there's, I remember uh, looking back, yeah, I remember the cops coming to my house and sitting us down and mum just looking disgusted and freaking out and... Um, I think they wanted me to give the tennis ball back. I couldn't even remember which one it was. I had that many of them, so I don't know. There wasn't much value in, in being an accomplice, that's for sure. But, yeah, it's a funny story you bring up. That's Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was funny. So from that such a young age, like I know you now, and honesty is one of your integral values. And mm. um, it was funny to hear that because I'm sure you just took that tennis ball thinking, oh, yeah, I got another tennis ball. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, the cops are out. The cops are here. Yeah, well, I guess to that honesty thing, looking back, like I didn't break in. I think what I was, um, it's just like they opened the window and went in and you literally yeah. got nothing. But I was standing there on like lookout, I guess. <laughs> um, but to my to that honesty trait, I confessed straight away. I was like, yeah, I was there, I'd done it. Um, so yeah, I actually done a uh, it was like a mental fitness aptitude test probably a couple months ago. Oh, no, it would have only been a few weeks ago. And come back, my number one trait is honesty. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting 100%. to pull that fact out. Yeah. 100% see that. Um, school, mate. School. Yeah. School, was wasn't, school was my jam. Education wasn't. <laughs> I had so much fun at school. I just wasn't very smart 
Um, I, I navigated through primary school. I, I still remember one vivid conversation with my principal. Um, and he literally said to me, he said, Blake, you got so much freaking potential, but you're just wasting it. And I look back there, I'm like, hmm, I don't think he was referring to becoming a, a lawyer or a student or something like that as learning to learn and then executing on life. Um, so I, I, I do look back on that moment. But, yeah, I got through primary school fine, just played sport. Um, high school, same thing. I think um, because I played tennis a lot, I, I learned a lot of people skills. Um, Travelling around, learnt respect and those sorts of things. So I remember when I got suspended in grade nine, it was because I swore at a teacher. And it was – I look back and I think about those moments because – as a 14 year old, a teacher probably doesn't expect a kid to understand the relationship of respect. And it's, you show respect, get it, you keep receiving it and vice versa. If you show and get nothing, then sort of fuck you. You were, you actually, um, just on that respect point, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, but when obviously you and I tradesmen young age, we get into that later on. And then I took on a foreman role at work and, I think I definitely remember speaking to you about it um, and saying like I was the youngest in the workshop, but was in charge of all these old blokes and no one at first, no one really respected me, even though I was given the job on merit, not for any other reason. Um, And then I actually spoke to you about it and you said the same story about, about that, like you got to give it to get it and and stuff like that. And actually changed the way I approached those relationships when I got into, um, and how I was able to put myself in that leadership position at that job without um, stepping on anyone's toes or anything like that. Cause it was that story. And then you did tell me about the, um, your same story we'll get into with the tradesmen or obviously realizing that you could be doing something for 30 years and still be useless at it. It really time doesn't matter anything. It's just, um, it's how good, uh, how much you want to learn it and how much you apply yourself. And, and, uh, we'll just sort of let you know, cause you definitely, um, did teach me that. Oh, well, that's good. Um, so maybe <laughs> I'm a um, good teacher, not a good learner. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got, I got suspended that day. And I remember even saying to, um, our year coordinator, whoever had to make the call on suspension. I said, man, it doesn't work like that. Like he treats me like shit. I'm not going to stand there and cop that. Like just because I'm 14, he's like, yeah, yeah, but you can't swear. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I'll cop that. But so I did, I did learn that quite early. Um, I remember um, like sport was everything to me, Kyle. I didn't, yeah, if I could go and do a tryout for a team or a sporting thing, I would, I'd do it because I'd get out of class. I, I got through. Um, I was really good at math and science, um, really great with numbers, as you probably know. And um, English was just my downfall. And I guess every subject you got to write literature. So that's where I sort of fell to the wayside. But there was one teacher that really must have understood me quite well and could articulate the messaging and things that needed to be done to me where I understood. And I ended up getting like a B plus or A plus in this in this class. And then she ended up having to leave school and have a, have a baby. So that was sort of the end of my English career. Um, but I got through senior. Um, I remember I was, I was doing OP, which is like your state credit score to get into university for other, other people in different states or countries. And 
I remember I, I didn't want to do it. I, I knew I was going to do a trade-based um, career or start in a trade-based career. And so I didn't need the OP. It wasn't going to dictate anything with getting a job or anything like that. So I remember going and see the year coordinator and virtually just said, I don't want to do this. How can I get out of doing OP? And he's jumped on the computer, looked at his system and said, oh, well, as it stands right now, if you don't do OP and you keep getting the grades you're going to get, you'll finish high school with nothing. You won't have an OP. You won't have an education certificate. You're virtually finished with as a failure, and <laughs> which was kind of fucked, but um, didn't really surprise me because I didn't put any effort in because I, you know, at that point knew I was going to start a trade and whatever else and probably had a focus on other shit but um he had that conversation with me that day and I was like oh well I've got to do OP I don't really care what I get in that exam like yeah it's meant to affect the school grade but I didn't care it's just like all right I gotta knuckle down and get these results in the subjects that I'm in to leave with something um so I did I, I knuckled down and um got some I got I got good enough grades to to pass and I uh, ended up finishing school and got my certificate and got out of there and then uh, dove in, dove into a trade. Not not so long. You in, so you finished year twelve. Yeah. Yeah, did finish grade twelve. And then did you go straight from year twelve? Did you have like an apprenticeship lined up straight after? Yeah. So I done work experience throughout, and I had um, what I thought was going to be an apprenticeship pretty much waiting for me. I just didn't understand the application process with some of them bigger mining companies. So it was about a eight six, eight month like enrollment period. So I went there, I finished school in December and was like, oh, here's my resume ready to get started next year. And they're like, oh, no, we've already, those guys are pretty much started. Um, but this time I was working at Sizzler. Actually, this is a pretty cool story. I was at Sizzler um, through grade 12 and you know got i wanted that little bit of independence i i learned the relationship with money through traveling with tennis and mum not having much money at all being a single mum with four kids you know you can't really expect to be too financially secure um <clears throat> and coming from being a stay-at-home mum to then have to get a job and anyway so i i think i really learned my relationship with money through playing tennis um got my first jobs and then um, just because I wanted to earn my own money to be able to do things I wanted to do. Cause I, I, I whether I felt bad for asking mum or just knew mum didn't have anything. Um, so my first brought my first TV, my first Xbox while working at Sizzler. Um, but when I was working at Sizzler, there was a, a competition there called Girl Masters. And I got when I first started, back to that authority and respecting, when I first started there we were a brand new store. So we were the first employees to, to open up the Mackay branch. And I remember we were doing a training day and the number one rule was if the food comes back with a fault or a temperature or overcooked or whatever, make sure you just put it to the side, make a new dish, get it out and talk about it later. And so in the simulation we were doing the meal come back and one of the trainer managers that come from a different branch was like, oh, who cooked this? And I'm like, don't worry about it. What we'll do, we'll just get the new one out and we'll talk about it later. And she just looked at me with these evil eyes. And she's like, get out there. <laughs> I'm like, 
what? Anyway, so she's come over and then like the store managers come over and they've sat me down and talked me through that. And they sort of said, what, what was that all about? Like, we don't want that sort of attitude here. I'm like, that's literally what you said in the training, like is to do this. And I said, and I said to, and I was, I've been 16, maybe 17 at the time. And I said, look, I want this job. I love this job, but I'm not going to change who I am for you. Like that's my personality. That's how I am. I'll, that, I didn't say that in an arrogant way or a narky way. It was just, that's what you have told us to say. And that's just my personality. Like I'm fine. I'm bubbly. Just you'll learn to love it or I'll be gone. And, um, and they sort of like bit sort of stand backish on that, but totally accepted. Like, yeah, fair enough. That is what we've sort of, um, defined we want to do. And then anyway, so a couple months later, we're all best mates and I'm doing really well there. And we get in this grill masters competition and long story short, every sizzler in Australia, um, does a, like a little simulated cooking period where they come and analyze you. Um, I think there was 28 stores from that. They pick a top eight. And then so someone comes and judges each department. So there's four little sections that every, from head office come and judge that. We got through the top three from that. Flew us down to Brizzy, done a, like a shutter restaurant, done a simulated meal period. And we ended up winning that. So we got flown to Thailand. Um, to go to the, see the Sizzler franchises over there. Um, me and my, my, my team of four, um, which were two Indian blokes and a Filipino lady. Um, so, and they're all older. So I went over to Thailand. The biggest paycheck I ever got with Sizzler was when I was on that holiday because they paid me a full-time rate and I wasn't full. I never worked a full-time week. So um, that so was... You've been a cook for for a long time yeah, and if anyone follows her up, everyone yeah. who follows you on instagram will know that you're, you're cooking up a feast pretty much yeah pretty much every day i love it and then from there um yeah finished i still had that job and then it was in february of 2013 um landed my landed my apprenticeship first interview got the job in a while and um that was that where did, where was that at? Yeah, that was at uh, a local company and the industry. So rolled into that and I sort of, yeah, I, I've spoke about the Vima thing, but I wasn't really focused on the apprenticeship at the time. I've got it. I, I got it. I started it. I think like every 18 year old apprentice, they sort of probably don't take it too seriously. Um, but it, it, yeah, as I navigated through that, I, I learned the importance of um, actually focusing on, on something to get a result. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And um, just for everyone who hadn't listened to the first uh, podcast, that the first episode, sorry, that we put out where you did talk about that Vima, just let us know, like, you did have something on the side there, um, mm. which was Vima that was running sort of alongside your um, apprenticeship at the start and it was probably distracting you a little bit and you you did take a turn and decide to dive on into this apprenticeship um just let us know about what was that about just that vima stuff just yes. in a short short detail yeah yeah so um my sister's ex-partner rang me one day and said look mate i've got this opportunity it's an incredible business incredible brand um it's virtually can be a vehicle to your financial freedom and me I think I was about 19 at the time, uh, was really 
like I said earlier, I think I was well aware of the importance of earning money and having that financial freedom. And I think it was where my, my mindset journey began. So went over there, watched a little video and tried the product, instantly fell in love. Um, one, that the fact that I could, one, yeah, create that financial freedom, but two, help others create that freedom, help that, you know, help them get healthy with this incredible product, right? So I was so fixated on that for the, I would have been in my second year of my apprenticeship. Um, mm -hmm. And I went all in, like, I think I was showed up to work. I talked about it. I was sweeping the floors thinking about, you know, our events we had to do that night. So it was, yeah, as a 19-year-old, as a I was, you know, working a full-time apprenticeship and then every night would have an event and I'd have footy training and then I'd have, you know, go home and I wasn't really aware of social media then, but I'd be listening to different audio books from, you know, mindset legends like Bob Proctor and Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and stuff like that. So it was a really fundamental period of my life in the growth of who I am and in the, in the foundation of my mindset. Um, yeah, I ended up going to America with that business. Um, never actually earned a lot of money. So I, the, the prerequisite was if you sold six cases a month, you didn't have to buy your two cases for that month. So my, my only goal every single month was, all right, I got to sell six cases. So I'd hustle the six cases. I knew that's what I had to do. I, I, it's funny. I don't think I was in it for the money, but the, yeah, I said, I've definitely said this to you. I never earn a financial freedom from that business, but the wealth of knowledge has allowed me to build my freedom today. So yeah. Do you reckon that like, even though you were along, what was alongside, do you think that those, like you just said there, all the um, self-development and all that positive stuff that you were learning alongside that um, venture do you reckon that it was those things that sort of steered you towards starting your own business when it came to your auto sparky stuff or did you already have that in mind um when i was about 14 i remember i was standing at the front of my house and well, it might have been younger might have been eight or nine because dad was there anyway i remember he tells the story a lot better because he remembers it but i pointed to the sky and like at the clouds and I said, Oh, look, there's a castle in the sky. And from that moment, he's pretty much helped paint the picture of reach for the fucking stars. Um, face <laughs> your castle in the sky, like dreamy big dreams, go for gold. I think the first book I ever read was um, the magic of thinking big. And I would have been like 12 or something like that. And, and then you didn't read another book for, <laughs> yeah. I, I had enough knowledge from that book. Um, <laughs> But I think it, it, it was definitely, so in the events would, I would open the events and say, Hey everyone, Blake Bradford here. Thanks so much for coming down. Um, the presentation I'm going to present you is about Vima. Um, the reason I started this is because it's going to be my vehicle to get me to my why I want to own my own business one day. I want to be financially free. I want to be time free. And that's what this is going to be able to do for me. So I think in saying that in every conversation, in every event, so probably 50 to 100 times a week, I was, I was relaying what the purpose of this thing was. By the time yeah, I'm yeah. 25, I want my own business so I can be time-free, money-free, and lifestyle-free. 
beautiful. And, and you think that, um, and yeah, he, uh, he, uh, now, uh, time for your own business and, and obviously living and loving every second of your life, which is, which is awesome. Um, so with the auto sparky stuff, was there a point during it that you knew that it wasn't for you or was it not until we come up with evocative that you decided then that maybe your path was, was another way and not, not the, um, typical mining, mining life. Um, yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I don't know. I don't think that it was ever not for me. It was, I, once I decided to knuckle down, which was, I was halfway through my fourth year. Um, and I sort of like had another opportunity to start another networking company and decided to opt out of that and, and dive in deep, um, with the apprenticeship. And I think everything just clicked from that point. Um, I must've been absorbing it, learning a bit, and then it just clicked and, and it, it was, I loved it until the day I quit. I loved that job. So I ended up, yeah, finished my apprenticeship, done a year. Um, when I say a year, I mean, literally worked pretty much every single day that year. Um, before I, before I started my own contracting business, um, which was my first step into having my own business. And I was 22 at the time. So I was over the moon, like, as um yeah i was stoked i thought by 25 i'll have that and then i, I even realized i was like okay it's not a big big business it's just self-employed but it can it's the first step so 22 started that business uh it would have been two years later we launched evocative and i don't think it was ever i want to start evocative and leave my other business i don't know why i just never i loved it i loved what i did i just wanted to create something else. I don't know. It was, yeah. I, I think, I think we were both in a different mind. Well, we were definitely both in a different mindset when it came to launching evocative at the start. And um, yeah, I definitely knew that you loved what you did and I didn't think you would, you'd be leaving and doing what you do now. So it's pretty well, crazy to. Yeah. It was only, we launched evocative November 29, 2019. And it was a month later that I decided to, that I was going to go full-time into evocative, sell everything, sell my house, sell my, sell that contracting business, my firm, everything, sell everything, buy a van and go around Australia and build evocative. Um, and that was, a, that was a 12 month process in that, but mm. it was now I understand why, like I would never go back to that industry. And I think a moment clicked to me, Kyle, and I would have definitely told you, I've told so many people was I was, towards the back end of that of last year where I had already decided the van was brought and it might've been maybe two or three months before I left. I remember saying to my supervisor and good mate, Casey, I said, he's like, you'll be back. You'll be back. I'm like, man, this might sound a bit cocky, but my personality is too big for this place. It's too big for the minds. Like, unfortunately, you are all too narrow minded, your energy is soul sucking. Like I'm the one, I'm the happiest person out here and I'm the one that's leaving. You know what I mean? Like you guys have to yeah. take a good look at yourself because you can, and you all complain. Like all you do all day is complain about how much you hate coming out here, how much you hate leaving your family, how good it is to have heaps of money, but you don't actually give a fuck about that. Like you're miserable. I said, I'm the happiest person out here. And I'm the one leaving. So you guys need to take a good look at yourselves because your personality is bigger than that as well. 
But yeah, I, the, I just realise that and action. The, the mining industry and that workshop trade life, um, I can't speak for the construction industry, but the industry that we were in up there, engineering slash mining, I guess, a bit of crossover there, it was ridiculous the amount of people that go to work every day and hate what they do. And I would always, like, you were always so happy. And I, um, it was one of the things I would always try. When I left Kiniston Engineering and went to the new shop, it was like, I went in there with, I'm going to be the positive person. I'm going to be what you are in my phone, the Mr. Morale of, of the workshop. And I went in there and immediately, like, within a few months, mate, it was the same thing. Like, I can't, obviously, you're a little bit more outgoing and extroverted and energetic than I am. And I just couldn't keep up with the negative. Like, I didn't have lunch with anyone because I went and sat by myself because I didn't want to deal with what they were talking about. It's soul-sucking and I could only imagine, I never was out on site, but seven days of listening to the same blokes talk about the same problems every every 14 days for multiple years on end, it must have been. Obviously, it didn't do a dent in yours, but it definitely was something you, you noticed, I'm assuming. Yeah, I noticed it big time, man. And um, I, it's, yeah, I I was always that positive guy out there, always like, I, I guess, and I had that title out there, Mr. Morale, like I'd roll in, I'd put my music on, I'd roll into the pre-start and crack a smile and do a joke and, you know, try and lift everyone's mood. And that was me all day. That was, that's who I am, Kyle, like, as you know. Um, and I just, I don't know, I guess in my mindset, I just didn't let, that sh- their energies dictate mine is yeah. and i think i think now i realize how important it is that i stayed true to myself and 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 left that industry um because my per like yeah i, I love my job um if i had to go back to it i would if i wanted to go back to it i would but like i said my i'm too big for that um in a non-arrogant way like i've got too much to give my energies It'll, it'll come back. It'll come back into there when I've funneled it and channeled it into a way to actually provide specific value to those people and those men um, through the evocative yeah. space. But out on an individual level, floating around like I was, I felt like my, my I was wasted. Yeah. Um, just to go back pedal a little bit there, well, we can definitely touch on it. About November that year that we started evocative, something else pretty big happened um, in your life as well, which is probably uh, up until that point, probably maybe still is, you know, quite a large moment in your life. The separate, just talking about separation, uh, you and Tam, um, you were high school sweethearts together for, for quite some time. And from being someone who's very close to you, did not see it coming at all. And I'm pretty sure everyone, I know you are the same. Did that play a factor in going into evocative 100%? Um, yeah, so let's just backpedal to, I guess, the start of that. So, yeah, me and Tam, we we got together in, I was grade 12, so she was grade 11. Um, so, mm-hmm. like you said, high school sweethearts. Um, yeah, so we, we stayed together for seven years. So we, when I started my apprenticeship, I moved into her mum's house and lived with her when she was in grade 12. Um, navigated through that brilliantly. She done a gap year. I was working on my apprenticeship, so it would have been second year. And then as I turned third year, she went off and started uni in Townsville. Mm-hmm. So four hours away. Um, but we done the long distance for four years. So 
I finished my apprenticeship halfway through that. Um, we had we had the goals and the dreams as you do as a, as a couple to get the house, get set up financially, and then come back. So she was studying law. So between you know myself and her income, we were going to be you know quite wealthy mm-hmm. um, and quite young. So I remember, yeah, she was busting her ass at at uni, and it was I was busting my ass at at work, and we sort of you'd be at uni for probably eight nine months of the year. And so I'd go to work for 28, 30 days in a row or whatever it was between seeing her and then seeing her. And so mm-hmm. it'd be like, all right, three or four days every, every month or every, you know, six to eight weeks, we'd catch up and um, hang out and do our thing. And it worked really well. Um, we parted together. We were best mates. It was, a, it was an incredible journey. So yeah, when it when it come to an end there, or we 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 she come back from uni, uh, we brought a house together, and we thought that was it. We've got through the hardest hardest period of the of our relationship. You know, doing long distance for four years, you'd think you'd come back and everything would be smooth sailing. But um, she started her career, or I started. Well, we started evocative. I didn't really slow down out West. And I think we just, we realized that, or she realized um, that we weren't on the same trajectory anymore. And yeah, it was, we went on a holiday. It was incredible. Um, Come home. And then within three weeks, it was all over. Um, And my life as I knew it was flipped on its head. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you saw that from an outside perspective, but that's on that. Just on that. So you're very honest. You, we spoke earlier. Honesty is, you know, with you. If I hear Blake, I hear Mr. Morale and honesty, and that's that's being truthful. Um, but there was one time you were a little bit dishonest with me, and it was, and I'm going to go into that now. You come over. You said, "Hey, Kyle, mate, can I come and stay at your house? Tam's got the girls over." Didn't let me know anything that was going on between you and Tam, you actually just come and stay the night at mine. And it wasn't until the next day, I'm not calling you out for being dishonest. I'm getting to the point. Um, but then, yeah, the next day you were, I could tell that you weren't yourself. And I did ask you and you come back and you did open up to me. Do you, have you explored the reasons why you might've, did, were you in denial or have you explored the reasons why you might've not wanted to tell me anything was going on between you and Tam at first? Um, probably in denial and in shock. Like it, it happened literally over, overnight. Like I said, we went on a holiday for 10 days. It was, we weren't, we weren't great for a period of time since we brought the house. Um, looking back now. And then, so we went on this holiday. I was like, all right, sweet. We, we, that's all we needed. We just needed a reset, a bit of a restart, a bit of a getaway. We've both been juggling this new life careers, everything like that. And so I thought we were all back on track. And to be honest, I was thinking about taking the next step and proposing. So I was like, yeah, we're on to like, I was conjuring up the courage and how to instigate the conversation with her dad. And I was going to, I was going to ring my auntie about where to get rings. So that's how committed, like, that's where I was in this relationship. So to, I think, I can't remember the day that I slept over, whether we were broken up or on a break or something like that. And I'd come home from work and she had to get her stuff out or something like that. But I just, I would think, I just didn't think it was real. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of thought that um, it was the first time I'd ever seen you like to show any emotion other than happy or excited or, or focused, you know, either we had that working relationship where you were very focused on a task. Yeah. This needs to get done. This needs to get done or super hyped about life. And it was the first time I was like, Oh, he actually um, does have some emotion inside of him other than these things, which, um, and also I think like hearing you talk about it now and then knowing the person you are now, I can, I just can't fathom. Obviously it speaks, um, words to how much you've come as a person because of that breakup and, and your relationship skills and stuff like that. Not that you're in another relationship or have been, but with just interpersonal relationships to, I think back like now, I don't think that you could be so oblivious to what was going on. Um, you know, like you said, you were completely in a sense, you were oblivious to the fact of how she was feeling. Either you weren't there for it or you were just too focused on the other things. And, and now you're definitely, not like that. You're always asking the questions and getting, getting people thinking, I guess, about, um, about what, what they were, what's going on in their emotions and stuff like that. So obviously you've come a long way from that person and and where do you think that that growth has been made majorly or in, in the largest um, aspect? Yeah. So I think, um, what sort of sums that up there is communication. So, (laughs) I think I was oblivious to it because I was probably too scared to ask the question of why is, why is there this disconnect between our relationship? Why is this thing bother me or this thing bothers me and say nothing, let it bottle up. And the result (laughs) came. So when the the day came that um, Tam made the call to go on like a separation or go on a break, um, I was that same supervisor, Casey, I was talking to him. He said, Oh man, don't worry about it. It'll be all good. Um, my mate's gone through this period. He's talked to a couple's counselor, maybe give that a crack. And so, um, I was like, yeah, fuck, perfect. Um, and, and two men, it was our first ever hiccup in my perspective. It was our first, our only, like, not even a fight. It was our first fucking hiccup. So I was just, I was like, oh, sure. We'll be right. And I remember getting home to mum and just bawling my eyes out. And she's like, Blake, this happens all the time. Like, it's just a friggin', it's a little hiccup. It won't matter. Um, it'll all wash over and everything will be perfect. And I was like, what if it doesn't? And sure as shit. But, <laughs> um, but he, he said, try a couple's counsellor. Anyway, so I'm driving home from work. I'm on Google. I found a counsellor in town. I've rang her up and explain the scenario and she sort of said um you know just turn everything up on my on my head and virtually said look you can't force someone to do something what you have to do is ask permission ask permission uh, or invite tam to come to this this session and after about 20 minute phone call i got off and totally forgot what she'd said and how to say it and whatever else. And anyway, I rang Tam or text Tam inviting her to come along to this um, couple's counselling. And she pretty much said, no, nah, I don't really want to go. And, <clears throat> but I think you should still. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going. Um, Cause at that point I'm like, all right, maybe if I show initiative, then it'll come back or why well, don't know what I think it was. Anyway, went to that session and the biggest thing she picked up on well, the biggest thing I remember her picking up on was there's no communication in this relationship. 
you don't you don't ask the questions when like you don't know anything everything you just you've told me is like you think or you understand it to be this way or you perceived it this way nothing's factual Blake you got to you got to ask the question to know the answer um so I look back and I I I put 100% or I put definitely 50% um, responsibility of that breakup on me. Um, And I think navigating through that counselling process and learning the importance of communication, not just in, you know, romantic relationships, but in everything. um, I don't think I've really grasped onto that until probably three or four months ago. Um, And it's just been through learning. like this podcast has made me a better listener, a better communicator, ask better questions. Um, I've started reading some books that have been really insightful about thinking again and resonating with people and the curious, like having curious humility. So asking questions because you have an opinion, but you want to make sure that's either correct or you want to be proven wrong so you can learn and grow and evolve. And I think I've, I've lost the fear Maybe because I I went through that heartache and it was like, well, if I don't ask the question, my world to get flipped on its head again. You know, obviously asking you why haven't you done the your job you meant to do is not so drastic, but it's the same. It's the it's the little steps, and I think communication to me now is everything. It is everything. Like if you don't connect with people, like we do social media, I do social media every single day. If you're not communicating your message or communicating what it is that you want people to do or how you want them to do it, you can't expect them to do it. If you're not asking the right questions to get, you know, understanding of circumstances, you aren't going to understand. You're not going to progress. And so when you ask, yeah, is that something that I I used or learned through that period? I think it was the start of it or it was definitely the foundation to understanding the importance of communication because that when that happened, man, I would have told you, but my, my, from the day that it was over my one pack to myself and I said it out loud millions of times was I'll be bigger, better and stronger from this. So I think um, in my progression as an individual, that was my rock bottom in a sense. Um, I made that as, as a pivotal moment in my life that, I would come back bigger, better and stronger than I ever was in that relationship. Whether it, whether that was for future relationships, whether that was in, in business in, as an individual in communication, it was just a bigger, better version of Blake. And here I am today in that position. Yeah, you're definitely a better, you're definitely a better communicator, whether or not that sparked it or whether, you know, it's in the back of your head now uh, when you are going into conversations that, um, to be a bit more empathetic, we used to, I used to have to um, pull you up a little bit in conversation. Like, How can you think like that, Blake? And um, and it wasn't through, it wasn't so, it wasn't being nasty or anything like that. But it was just you were so. This is what I know. I'm tunnel vision. I don't need anything else. And and it's been awesome to watch you grow as a as a human throughout, especially like you said, the last three to four months and then seeing what that's brought into yours and, and mine's yours and I's relationship. We has been has been awesome. Um you're doing a bit of running these days. Um when did you sort of get into that? And I'm pretty sure like it was just after that breakup. Um and then through that period and stuff like that. And um what was the reasoning behind it? Um yeah so I like I always played sport 
love fitness um loved everything to do with moving my body it made me feel good but in working the hours I worked and the days that I worked I had no opportunity to play sport anymore um barely even to train or anything like that so when the breakup happened, I, I knew I had to make a change in my life um, in that process of becoming a big, bigger, better version of myself. And um, out at work, we used to, you know, you'd, yeah, we had an awesome crew. Um, so you'd knock off and you'd, you'd have a few beers together and it was all social and everything like that, but it become just unhealthy. Um, well, looking back now, it was certainly unhealthy. And um, I just wanted to, I wasn't in, a, in, in the right headspace to be, you know, knocking heads and having a laugh and having a beer with some guys. I needed to get into my own head and and work on myself. So I um I started training out at at um at work a lot more instead of those drinking sessions. I'd jump in the gym, and then when I'd come home, I was I was obsessed with the beach, man. I loved the ocean. I loved how clear it made my mind. And so what I'd do, I'd get home and I'd run the break horse. So I was about a three k run. Um, jump in the jump in the ocean after that, have a little swim, and that that was my that was my place to embrace the pain, uh, take the ride of the emotions, and and grow. Um, and I, I say that to a lot of people now. It's don't block the emotions. Let you know feel feel the pain. You, you've earned it, um, and it's part of the process. If you block it and channel it out, like not channel it, but if you if you block it and mask it it's going to come back in a different way. It's going to catch up with you. And I, through my journey of doing that process was, you know, get outside and go to somewhere that you love that mm-hmm. makes you feel good. So you're, you're in a happy environment, a positive environment, but you're feeling the pain. You know what I mean? You're, you're actually exploring what's going on inside your head and your heart. And, and for me, running, running done that. Um, I, I got started into running through that process because it made me one switch off in a sense. Um, but then what I'd go for my swim and sit there and look at the ocean and, you know, exfoliate my, my body with sand. I, <laughs> I sat with myself and, you know, absorbed the emotions and, and grew from that. But so running for me, that was, yeah, that was a big step in my, in my trajectory in life. And then it was dry July, 2019. Um, I decided I wanted to do dry July, um, but I wanted to do something else a little bit funner and a bit more challenging. So I decided that I'd run every day for the month and I'd get a total of 150 kilometers. And that was, that was from zero to hero. I'd been running a little bit, you know, like on those Harbor runs, but nothing substantial. And um, I ended up getting 185 Ks for the month. I ran every single day. I didn't drink. I, um, ran my first half marathon like just just an incredible evolution in the person I was I remember one one day I was out at site and it was a six-hour drive home after work and I was having to drive home that day and I was like fuck I don't want to wake up at 3 30 to do my run and I also don't want to get home at midnight and it'd be the next day and I've missed my run for that day so it was smoko told I was commissioning a drill or something like that and I was like oh I've got half an hour spare here started running just ran laps around the build pad for 3k and everyone was looking at me like a lunatic and I felt on top of the world um but that, I think that moments like that really dictate who I am and it's if I start something I finish it if I commit to something I get it done because 
through that discipline, it built my confidence. You know, I, I become a better person through taking that, that it's only 30 days. It was only a small challenge I set for myself, but it's being true to myself and honest to myself and committed to myself. That's where the growth happened. It wasn't yeah. 184. <laughs> that was your first, that was your first little um, look into committing to something for a period of time. And I know you've just come out of, so that was 30 days running. It just started for you. Um, fast forward a couple of years now and running's a very large part of your life. And then um, you've also just done another challenge, the 75 hard. Um, so what is, what is that all about? Cause I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, that was, um, I think that was probably the second biggest weekend I ever had. I had, um, I'd worked for 72 days straight once. That was pretty fun. Um, I remember that. Yeah. So I think I, yeah, that was, that was, that was previously the longest commitment I've ever had to something. Um, so 75 hard. Yeah, it was, it's a, it's a pretty incredible challenge. Um, it's 75 days continuously where you have to work out for 45 minutes twice a day. And one of those has to be outdoors. You have to drink a gallon of water, which is about four liters. You have to follow a diet um, based around in bettering your, your overall health and fitness. Um, you have to read 10 pages a day and you have to take a progress photo every day. And obviously you can't have alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. um, so starting that challenge, my, my number one goal with that was to eliminate my procrastination. Um, I'd, I'd heard it a few months before I'd started, like heard about it. And then Meg, um, who was a guest on, on the, on the podcast here, she she finished it when I, when I interviewed her or had her on as a guest, she was in day 69. And so, so I messaged her when she finished. Just everyone knows it's Meg Sutherland. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Meg Sutherland. Yeah. Um, which is our second guest, but yeah, she, she, when she finished, I asked her, um, what was the biggest thing she learned? And she said, I learned that you just have to get shit done. And I was like, sold. Perfect. That's what I need. I'd, I'd started or I had my goal set for the Melbourne marathon, um, to run a sub three hour time there, which would be about an hour and 15 minute advancement on where I was. Um, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't committed to it. I, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't all in on it. I hadn't, you know, I wasn't doing that little extra bits of training. I wasn't watching my nutrition that was going to be massively beneficial to me. And yeah, I wanted, I wanted to take that next change, that next quantum leap in, in who I am. So I, I signed up. I remember, I think I messaged her on the Saturday, on the Sunday I decided and, um, I, for dinner that night, I think it was a massive KFC. It was a McFlurry. It was a apple pie. Um, I think it was like the most calories I ate in a day for fucking 75 days. <laughs> um, and that was my, that was my diet was calorie counting. So, uh, I started that 75 hard and yeah, it, it fucking changed me, man. Whether yeah, it was, yeah. pardon me. Yeah, 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 whether, whether it was the, the 75 days itself, whether it was, you know, the commitment to myself, whether it was the actual committing to those specific tasks. Um, I think the big, big value for me was in reading. Um, going into it, I'd read three books. Uh, at the end of the 75 days, I'd finished another three. 
Um, and now I read every single night before I go to bed. So I think that for me was my biggest growth. Um, working out and, and training was, was fine. I, I always had my running. I, you know, really commenced that career at the start of the year and was well into that, but it was a little, Ablid things where I'd have to do the extra stuff like the mobility, the yoga, the flexibility, the little strength sessions. Um, I think th- it wasn't as challenging for me, Kyle, because I have that flexibility in my lifestyle. Like I, I didn't yep. have to show up to work from eight till five. I didn't have to, you know, have Smoko and probably read my book in that period. Like wake up. If I, if I was still at the mines, for example, I don't think I would have been able to complete it. I just, just numerically, like you couldn't wake up at one o'clock. Yeah, but that's because you, you were doing um, back to back to back days. So with no sleep, that's yeah. super unhealthy. Um, that's probably why you, why you couldn't uh, do that. So your biggest takeaway from it, you reckon, is your reading? I think it was, that was the biggest skill change that I adopted. Um, I think my biggest takeaway was actually, I think it was more around other people. And I think I would have said this, I made a video about it, was actually the commitment side of things. Like I, like I said before, I knew the day I started it, like that Sunday I decided in 75 days I would have completed it. There was never going to be starting again. I was never going to conk out halfway unless I broke my leg or something you know what I mean like mentally I was in it from day one and I say that to people in in a goal setting scenario is don't start something if you don't think you're going to finish it like it's it's ludicrous to think that oh I want to go you know I want to go run 10ks but you set out and you you've only mapped out 5ks for your run like you're never going to do it you never if you don't believe you're going to achieve something please do not start it work on yourself until you believe in yourself to, uh, to accomplish that goal. And I think that's a massive lesson that I've learned and you would know because I'm my biggest believer. I'm, I'm my biggest advocate. I'm my biggest fan because I believe in myself so much because I put in the work to get to that mindset into that mind frame. So if someone wanted to start 75 hard, what I said was, do you think you can start it? Or do you think, do you think you can finish it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Oh, I don't know. I just want to get skinny. I said, you won't finish it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be blunt, but I don't believe that's going to get you through. And then I said, but what I do say is maybe look at, you know, 15 days, look at, you look at 30 days. What have you done a challenge before? What's the longest you think you can commit to something? Oh, I could do 15 days. Sweet start at 15 if you get to 15 you're cruising do another 15 you know yeah, what I, mean? so I i i don't know if i've told you this this is the way i actually run so the reason that i run from my house in one direction exactly half the amount of that run for the day is because i've got to get home yeah <laughs> and um and so i think if you set yourself up in a position like that so if i'm got a 30k run or whatever it is i go 15 out and I, there's only one way, the shortest way to come back is the way that I went. So there's, there's only one way to get there. And like you said, you know, you put yourself in a position where you chase that, okay, I've just got to get to this point. And then once you're there, it's 
you forget about what you've just completed. Well, not forget, but what you've just completed is irrelevant because now it was easy because you've done it. Everything's easy once you've done it. Mm-hmm. Nothing hurts once you've done it. Like <laughs> running 100 kilometers didn't hurt the next day. It was amazing. No. But, you know, like is once you get there, you've already done done the hard bit. So now you can, you know, you're already that one step. And and I think putting you, putting yourself in a position, like you said, that's setting yourself up to succeed and not, not to fail is important in pretty much everything that you, that you want to endure, you know, like um, if you have some steps in place to get you to steps along the way, makes the whole journey easier. Don't worry about getting to the end without knowing, you know, where to go along the way. You can't cross the river without knowing how to swim or maybe, maybe unless you know how to build a bridge without touching the water, but you know, there's, there's reasons that you have to learn things along the way. And I think it's important to remember that those lessons are in that journey to getting, getting to the end. Um, and I think, you know, all of these lessons that you had, like working 76 days or 72 days straight, you know, deciding that you needed to make that change, probably all little steps to setting you up for, for what it's not called 75 easy. It's called 75 hard because for most people it it is quite difficult, but I think you'd put those things um, in, in play to make it uh, or set yourself up for success. And like you said, as soon as you say yes to something, it's you've done it in your head, um, which is a testament to, to how you, um, how you live your life and and stuff like that. I wanted to get back to reading. Um, You said it's a skill that you've got from this. You've run one very successful business, another one in the making now. Um, Reading, I'm sure, was it a challenge for you? Was it something you just didn't enjoy because you weren't interested in? Um, And is it now an important, do you think it's important for people to, you know, to read and to expand the knowledge? Yeah, great question. Um, I think I... I think I always knew the importance of it. I didn't do it because I wasn't good at it. I didn't want to, and I didn't probably didn't want to start a book and not finish it. Um, and I knew to finish a book, I'd have to commit for fucking five months because I was a slow reader. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I think we, we spoke about it yesterday and I'm not, I'm not a great learner or a great acknowledgement or acknowledger of learning. I think I, I need a teacher in front of me or sign up to a course to say that you're actually learning something and reading for me. I'm not great at comprehension. I'm I, um, not yet. Um, I don't have a good memory yet. And um, because of that, I sort of was like, Oh, I'm reading this. I'm not going to absorb anything. I'm not going to remember anything. What's the fucking point. Um, but in, in my journey now and in, in reading the things that actually were really interesting to me and that's I'd done before I started the challenge, I'd done some work, and some research on some books um, that were going to benefit me in my journey that I was on. And one was resonate. And that was about resonating with people on a, you know, corporate level, on a personal level, through presentations in video media, resonating with people, connecting with people, which is I'm all about. And then the other one was um, think again by Adam Grant. And that's literally about thinking again. And that come back to that, my massive growth in that curious humility having opinions that aren't cemented, having, having the, the humility to have someone change my mind, change my opinion, change my way of thinking. Um, and it, it's in reading those books, I've grown as a person 
in my in resonating um and in my communication and listening skills so i i absolutely think it's it's vital um but i also i think it's you got to find your own way um for me i just i didn't commit to it reading because i didn't like it i wasn't good at it and it it didn't resonate with me um to use that word but now that I've I've taken that process and I've built that habit and remap my paradigm, my habits and my thinking, I just do it every night before I go to bed. Like I know most people jump into bed. Well, I know I jumped into bed and I wasn't totally switched off. My mind wasn't ready to go to sleep at times. So I was like, all right, I will know I need to get to sleep because I got to get up early. I got to train. I need my body needs rest. Let's do my daily highlights. Let's put my phone down. And let's unwind productively, I guess. And it's just a nice time for me. There was no pressure of 10 pages. It was just sort of till I fell asleep. Um, yeah. And I think, um, well, I know you and the, um, your ability to sit still and relax has gotten better. It's still not quite there. I think you're putting a bit of effort into it now. Mm-hmm. It was always funny. And I, always, I still think to a point, I definitely know you used to be scared of, unproduct or being unproductive um mm. whether or not scared is the right word but i think that you were definitely fearful of doing nothing um and not respected how important sometimes it is to you know, allow yourself to just do nothing and yeah. to think about um nothing but you know not nothing i guess that's quite hard to think about nothing as i'm learning whilst i try and do this meditation but um thinking you know, just relaxing. Um, do you, was that a problem you had? Like, not a problem. Was it something that was followed you from childhood through everything that uh, inability to sit still? I think if you oh. ask mum, auntie, family, friends, I'd say yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I never acknowledged it as a factor. It was just, I was just a hyperactive kid. And I think that's probably why I didn't really work well in, in school and in classrooms because I just had too much energy. And if I wasn't invested in what I was learning or listening to, fuck, I'd want to move. Um, whether it's ADHD or whatever it was, but, or as Luke says, um, shiny, shiny thing, shiny squirrel syndrome or whatever. <laughs> shiny thing syndrome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, yeah, I think you said productivity or, um, being productive i don't think i was ever very productive i would never stopped so i felt like i was busy all the time like i was always busy but i wasn't productive i think i'm learning i've learned now or i've learned now there's a difference in being busy and being productive i can do something for six hours half-assed or i can sit down and do it for three and then i can enjoy the next three and so i'm learning how to implement that at the moment but I've yeah. learned that there's a difference in being busy and being productive. And I was, I was always busy. Now I'm getting better at being productive. And so I think in, in my evolution as a person, um, setting times and schedules and stuff to, and this is only like in this last week of, um, you know, setting a roadmap for every single day of the things that I've got to do and the time that I've got to allocate to them and then getting them done and then relaxing. <laughs> um which is I, um, I often think of coming over i don't know if you remember this you invited me over i came over to your house in uh, Andergrove there like oh watch a movie and it was like 10 minutes into the movie and you were outside cleaning up palm fronds on the uh off the uh 
backyard. I'm like, I, I realised, I'm like, put my head out the window, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> Invite me over to watch a movie and now you're cleaning up the backyard. Um, and to that, I don't think we've ever actually sat down and watched a movie or done something like that. Obviously, we've got other things that we're usually doing and stuff like that. But, yeah, definitely busy and, and not productive was is something that I, I can see that you're working on now. Um, to that, what do you think are, like, the biggest improvements um, in, like, the last, say, three to four months that you've been able to make, you know, focusing on, I guess, the last three months, 75 hard put into you were in – in that sort of a mind frame, um, but just bit through being that disciplined person who was just focused on, you know, what you had to do. What do you reckon is like the um, biggest improvements that you've been able to make? Yeah. Discipline's a, a big one um, for me and for evocative as well. I think it, it's the underlining, underlining factor in, in confidence. Um, if you can be disciplined in something and which I was um, in everything that I'd done once I decided to do it, um, I had that discipline factor, but I think in being that disciplined person um, for quite some time, it was, yeah, I think that really it shone through because I saw the results happen so drastically. Um, I think I, re I read something the other day where, it takes 64, 66 days to cement a habit. So to change your paradigm, which is essentially your roadmaps of the way you do things inside your subconscious mind. So to change and create new maps and new habits, it takes 65 days. So or 66 days. Um, so 75 days, I think it really just, yeah, it just made me realize the importance of consistency. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the the scheduling stuff now is coming into play because I realised I can be busy, like, throughout that 75 hard, I felt like I got no real work done because I felt like I was busy all the time. Like, I had to read. I had to put my calories in. I had to go do my first workout. I had to do my second work. I was always had to do something, but I never made a structure with it. So I always felt busy, but I felt like I was getting nothing done apart from 75 hard. So now I've, I've, I've learned, I think the biggest thing in that, that I've learned is, well, I wanted to change my procrastination aspect of my personality or the way I did things. And I think I'm doing that now. I don't think it changed it, but it made me realize the amount of procrastination that I do is really detrimental to my efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And like you touched on there with discipline, people might ask, Oh, what's doing, or people could say, you know, how about where does discipline come into, you know, training that man, improving your mental fitness and stuff like that. And I would say to those, and I'm sure you would too, try telling yourself you're going to do something and then never doing it and letting yourself down every day and seeing how good you feel about yourself. You know, it's, Every time you tell yourself you're going to do something and you don't do it, you've just let yourself down. And it's, you know, you, I've got two dogs. If I go downstairs, grab that ball and say, you want to go for a walk? And his, his tail starts wagging and he's jumping up and down and I put the ball back down, you watch his face drop and it is the saddest thing you'll ever see. That's what's going on in your head every time you let yourself down. You know, you hype yourself up to do something all right, that's it. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do a 5k run. 
all right, I'm going to actually just take this, this loop. I'm going to do a 2K loop and then I'm going to run it again, but, you know, just in case. All right, I got home at 2Ks. Now I didn't do 5Ks. You don't think, oh, I achieved two kilometres. It's I didn't achieve five kilometres and I'm just, I guess I moved it back there to running, but it's like everything. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to go do my groceries. No, nah, uh, actually I'm slack to leave the house. I'm not going to go do groceries. All these little things, you know, that seem little, but they're all little let-offs or let-downs. And I think that that's where the importance of, you know, staying true to your word and doing what you say when you say you're going to do it is so important. Um, I know that for myself, I used to be that person. I used to let myself down quite a bit. Um, worked quite hard at not doing, not being that person now. Obviously, with the help of you and, and everyone around me has been awesome. But yeah, I, I would say to people that think that discipline is not that important, go and be undisciplined in everything that you do and realize how much you're, you're letting yourself down. Do you find that by doing everything that you say you're going to do or by doing what you say you're going to do when you're going to do them, you get that little sense of achievement and accomplishment every time? Yeah, man. Um, definitely, definitely do. Luke Mathers spoke on the podcast a few weeks ago and he spoke about people's relationship with the word pride or in, in, in having pride. And it, it was a light bulb moment for me because I'm, I'm very humble uh, in my achievements and the things that I do. And I, I don't really like to voice them, but I think I've, I've acknowledged the fact that the things that I do now, I'm actually really frigging proud of. And they're a result of being disciplined. Um, I give myself my little rewards for that. Um, and even through this structure, like rewarding myself for being that discipline. And I know if I, I go to bed and I haven't ticked off a thing that I said I was meant to do, it's the last thing I think about before I go to bed. And I feel like shit. I'm like, oh, nah, should I get up and do it now? No, nah, don't worry about it. Oh, okay. And then, and you, you, you literally, if you compounded that, if you could bottle that up and show someone like, this is the negative energy you're putting in your life every day by not completing the things that you say you're going to complete, whether it's, you know, I'm not going to um, eat fast food for a week or, I'm going to walk to work one day a week or whatever it is, whatever your thing is, I'm going to say 50 bucks. You know what I mean? Like if you don't do it, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're actually putting an external pressure on yourself and an external negativity or negative vibration that's going to affect your overall health. So by yeah. becoming more disciplined and, and completing the things that you say you're going to do, and that's why I say, if you want to do 75 hard and you don't think you're going to do it, do a 30 hard, <laughs> like make it do the same shit and see how you go. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. then that way you will have that discipline and you'll have that accomplishment and you'll feel better about it. So by, um, and I talk about paradigms. I, I used to visit it a lot when I was um, young and in the Bemis space, but, revisiting it now with um a new book that i'm reading seven habits of highly influential people and it talks about paradigms which are the roadmaps in your mind and the way you do things so in an analogy sense is you can't want to leave gold coast and drive to where i am and have no idea where you're going you just can't do it so <clears throat> that's what 
people are trying to do when they're trying to achieve these things that they've got no idea about. You need to have roadmaps in your head of actions and responsibilities that you're going to be accountable for and that just happen subconsciously that help you allow you to get to your destination. So with discipline, it's actually, you know, resurfacing those roadmaps continually, you know, writing those roadmaps continually. And eventually you don't have to look at the roadmap. You just know where you're going. And that's what discipline does. That's it's confidence, right? It gives you the confidence in other aspects of your life. And that's why I've been good with discipline. I think probably back to that first contract. I finished that contract. It was three years. I finished that. I, I didn't want to finish school. I had to. I finished that. You know, my apprenticeship, I ended up getting to a point where I realized, fuck, I actually got to finish this properly. Same with contracts. And then so now when I start anything, I've got to finish that. And I don't start it if I if I don't think or I don't really want to finish it. And yeah, with with the um, with the starting something you have just recently started, or I guess not so recently, um, pretty much the exact opposite to holding up a bottle of negativity, which is your page of your boy B TV and and putting out content and stuff on that page. It's very closely aligned with what we're doing at Evocative, but it is very you, your spin on things. Um, So you've started that. What's your goal with it? What are you trying to achieve with that? What is, what is your boy B TV in your life to do? Like, what is the goal of it? Yeah. It's to bring or make people understand that they can live happier, healthier lives. Showcase that the simplicity of continually being positive, you know, I, my, my personal goal, my personal why is, well, my personal goal is I want to make a million people live happier, healthier lives by the time I die. That's, I don't know how I measure that, but I think I'll have, I'll know the matrix when I'll feel it. Right. So my why is because I've always come from a place of good energy of happiness and, um, I've seen what it can do for me and I've seen what it can do for the people around me. And so I just want to amplify that. So your boy B started off as, um, it was a funny thing I'd done. It was probably two months after my separation, where it was your boy B's morning message. So every morning I got on every social platform and just set a morning message. It might've been like, you know, be grateful for today, you know, get out there, have a smile, have a laugh, whatever. I think it was, it was 30 days of consistent things. Um, and that's where I guess the boy, your boy B come from. And then I just added the TV thing on there because it was, I realized I'm a really video or media type of person opposed to blogs and, and text. Oh yeah. You love your face. Yeah. I love, I love getting behind a camera, um, and and sharing some value, but yeah, the, the purpose of that for me is to, to, I guess, to the point of evocative as well is to build mental fitness. That's, that's over. That's, the overlying um, topic that it would come under, but it's just, I just want people to live happier, healthier lives. And if I can, in in the messages that I send out and put out to the world to no one in particular is getting messages from people saying, thank you, or your positive energy has helped me today to even to the point where I am now, where someone messaged me the other day, Kyle, and said, essentially, like they uh, talked with them over a couple of days about their breakup and some heartache that they'd gone through. 
And then he sent me a really lovely message where the end of it pretty much said he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our conversation. Mm. You know, like, so yes. to, to me, your boy B's fucking signed, oh, I can die today, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. You know what I mean? Apart from the million people, but it's just about, I, I think if I can show, and I, I, I lived it at work when I was around people and showed my energy and positivity and that morale boosting stuff that you talk about and they spoke about, it changes their whole mood. It changes their whole day. So if I can be that person on a social platform or even in person, but your boy BTV is on the social avenue, then that's perfect because it's, it's not everyone that responds to you. It's not everyone that likes it. It's not everyone that, um, you know, resonates or hears the message, but they feel the energy and that yeah. can help them in for five seconds or five minutes or five days. That's what do you find? Do you find that that positivity? Um, I mean, you're already a very positive person, so maybe not. But do you find that you know having not having to, but putting on your own shoulders or going about it yourself to put that positive message out provides a, a more positive outlook for yourself? On in your days, you're like, oh, I'm going to get this check out. I've got to capture what's positive for everyone else in my life. Does it make you realize? the positive things that are happening in your life. Yeah. 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 I do this thing um, called the daily highlights and I've been doing it since the day I left um, Mackay and jumped in the van life. And it's, it's a reflection of your day every single day. Um, you, before I go to bed, obviously, cause that's the end of the day. I, that's when I reflect and I stand there and I think about all the things that I've done for the day and reflect on, on those and write a little spiel about my highlights. Um, I think on that, on that question, pardon me on that question, I think it definitely does because I look at everything in a positive light. Um, mm -hmm. and I, in a sense, it, it's hard for me to resonate with people sometimes because I only share or have only shared all the positive energies and stuff, because that's the messaging I want to put out, but maybe to resonate with people more, I need to, showed some bad sides or some sad sides but I was on the phone to my sister a little while ago and she brought that up to me and I said oh yeah that's probably true but then I also said I don't really have bad shit like for me to say I'm having a bad day I might be referring to the fact that it's raining and I've got to sit in my van and I don't get to you know soak up the sunshine and the ocean today so to me it just seems ludicrous to put that in perspective or put that message out there when someone's going to read that, that's actually suffering, that's got no money in the bank, that's, you know, their partner's just left them and they've lost their job. And they looked at it and be like, fuck you, Blake. Like, are you serious? Are you complaining? And whether, whether that's wrong of me to assume that, um, I could be totally wrong, but that's the way I feel. So I'm just like, if I can deploy positive message, yeah, I have bad days or bad situations, but I don't let them become my underlining or become who I am or become the factor of that day. Like bad shit happens to everyone and my perspectives, everything. So my bad thing that happens is whatever. I can't go for a run today because it's raining or my foot hurts or something like that. But I don't let that be or dictate my emotions for the rest of the day. I'm like, Oh, well that is that fair enough. Let's go spend that time elsewhere.
And then yeah, when that I whole- daily highlights, it's like, oh, well, thank fuck it didn't rain today because I got to sit here and talk to my mum on the phone for that time. Or, you know what I mean? I, I just have, I've developed that mindset um, over many, many years. And that's, I guess, kind of the messaging and, and the mindset I want to build in people as well to have that outlook and perspective on bad stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of the outlook of, I guess you would say, you know, bad things happen, but bad days don't or something like that, you know, like little things throughout your days. Yeah. You just don't let them dictate. I don't let bad, bad circumstances define my day. Yeah. yeah, I become my reality. Yeah. I see. Cause I see, I get the phone calls when things annoy you or something happens and it's, and it's by no means crazy. You go off the phone you're like, Oh damn it. I can't do this. And I'm like, you know, I, I understand because obviously we're very close that there is those things that happen. But in that same sense, just to what you said, it's not, that's nothing about who you are. I actually have thought about this multiple times when you spoke to me, you know, do you need to deploy that? Um, try and be a bit more honest. Well, the, maybe not, not, not honest is not the right word. Trying to deploy or show people the other side. But the, the truth is, is this is the honest Blake. That happy Blake is who you are, like that is the honest side of Blake. And um, I don't think you're holding back the bad side of your life or not if, if there is any. I don't think you're holding that back because it's just it's just not who you are. Yeah, and I think to that point, Kyle, like on this podcast today, I'm happy to talk about bad shit. Like I'm mm. open about the things that I'm struggling with. Like I haven't spoke to my dad since the day I left. It breaks my fucking heart. But mm-hmm. I, I talk about those things, but it doesn't, I don't let that affect me every single day. Then that's yeah. the difference. And I think what you just said there, yeah, it's probably very true is this is who I am. Like when I'm behind the camera, I'm not putting some show on for 60 seconds. It's like, that's me fucking, you know, every single day of the week. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if I'm not on social media for 12 hours, it's probably because I'm busy. <laughs> Like I get to, I'm like, fuck, I don't, I didn't capture those things today. Like I just, you know, I was just soaking it up for myself, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's very true, man. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to resonate with the negative shit or, or bad things that happen, but I think I do that through these avenues and I talk about it properly. I don't just be like, oh, I feel a bit down today because the sun's not out. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's horse shit. It's like, oh, well, I'm actually get to sit at my computer and help people build men's mental health, you know, build their mental fitness. Fuck the, mm. fuck the ocean today. <laughs> like, it's just how uh, I'm wired and it's, it's, it's the way I want to try and help program people. You did touch on there. We, I want to explore that a little bit. You and I have never really spoken about it. I'll give you a wide berth on it. Um, the relationship with your father. Mm. Um, obviously, it's not where you'd like it to be at the moment. Um, you have a very, very good relationship with everyone else in your family, your sisters and your mum. I know they look up to you and I'm sure your father does as well um, in his own way. But how has that affected, if it has, um, I know it used to. Um, it used to be the one you would tell me. It was the one thing that added a bit of stress to your life throughout, throughout a period there. How are you feeling about that? these days uh still heartbroken um 100 like he was my best well one of my best mates and he was my father so to lose a best mate fucking sucks um especially when they're still alive um and then 
to lose your dad as well in that same process is fucking it's dog shit um but to yeah. your point there i i think a big realization for me in that relationship was that he didn't want to come to the table and be the person that he sh- well that i think he should be um and so when i look at it as a on a human level i think well if he doesn't have the respect to be honest to me and and make the changes um, or be a person that I want in my life, then why have him in my life? Um, Which is, which is tough. Yeah. Have you just on that, obviously the last three months have uh, been a great growing um, period of your life. Have you thought about approaching a conversation with him and deploying empathy? and trying to empathize or just even hear the other side of the story. Um, you may have heard it through, like at the moment, I'm assuming you're, you're telling his story in your head the way that you think it happened and not the way it happened to him. Um, is that a conversation that you think that maybe you should, you should have soon or in the future? Um, I've been thinking about it. And the last time, I guess the last time I spoke with him, um, was I, I obviously didn't have the skills I have now, but I was, you know, asking, gave him the platform to be honest and, and speak his truth. And he blatantly lied, lied to me. And as you would know, lying to my that's the total disrespect for someone, especially if you love them. Um, so I've, I've definitely been thinking about it probably a little bit more lately that I do want to, um, I wrote it actually as one of my bold goals or one of my life goals is to rekindle that relationship. So it's definitely something that I want to work on, but in, in saying that it was a realization for me in our relationship was I was putting everything on a platter for him, um, which sounds ludicrous. That's also my opinion and perspective on it. Um, but I, I was, I was helping him here, helping him financially, helping him with shelter, housing, cars everything like that um and my and my counselor actually said to me she said has he ever asked for help and i said no um and she said well maybe he doesn't want it and so i went and asked him and he sort of really just beat around the bush and didn't say he didn't he doesn't think anything's wrong whether he does now um i'm not too sure um i just don't yeah do you think that Sorry, there's a bit of delay in the Zoom there. Do you think that it's not that he doesn't think that there's something wrong? It's that his relationship with his pride is letting he's letting it get in the way. He doesn't want to. You're his son. Mm. He's like you said. You're probably well. You're his best mate as well. Mm. Um, do you think that it's not that he thinks that he's not doing anything wrong? It's that he is finding it hard to tell his son. Um, that's a they talk about it a lot in men. So my mum uh, worked in disability care and stuff like that. And the big reason that men, this is a different dynamic is man to woman, um, but older men who need support really, really don't like getting help from younger women. Just obviously they were born in a different time, but it's emasculating for them. It is tearing down who they think they are. Um, to ask help from someone that they used to lift up. So in a sense, you were the person that he lifted up. He told you, you're the person you are today because he told you to shoot for the castle in the sky. He told you to stick out that three-month 
contract, a three-year contract, sorry, do you think that there's an essence of not that he doesn't know what he's doing wrong, it's he's got to tear down all of that, everything that he stood you up, he lifted you up, he's got to tear that down to allow him, allow you to help him? Right. Um, very possibly. It's probably a fucking good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, yeah, well, I think, and here I go, I think, um, yeah. because it's not, I'm not the only one not talking to him or not the only yeah. one experiencing that side of him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it's, and like I said, it when he's in my life, it brings me more stress. Um, it has been, since I've acknowledged that, um, it's been that way or realised that it's been that way. So I think where the journey I'm on at the moment, I just don't need that added stress and I don't, I don't know. I just don't know how to approach it yet. Probably is the best the best yeah well, finish conversation. I'm only asking these questions because I don't like I've I just don't have that relationship with yeah. my father. Obviously I have a stepdad now um who's pretty much a dad and Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um and but you know like I just think of those little things. I know it, it is really true that mm. you are his son and he's probably knows he's let you down but he doesn't know how to get help from someone that he's meant to help, you know, mm. he's yeah. meant to be that. Person. I guess I've like, had that conversation many times with him. I said, look, you're the reason that like my mindset's like this, you're the reason, like you taught me all these skills that yeah. you don't practice anymore. Like yeah. I've, 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 I said to him, I said, I'll help you with whatever you want. Like if you want to go to counseling, if you want to sit here and talk about something, if you, you know, I can help you get a job. I can help you get all these things. Um, and then he might start one and then he quits it. And then, um, but my biggest thing, Kyle, the reason that I probably don't want to is he lost my respect because he lied to me for years. And that's, that's where I'm sort of like, fuck you. That's, that's my number one rule. Um, which is respect is a tough one to get back, especially with me. So I think (laughs) that's, that's a really, that's the that's the hurdle I've got to get over um, because I've forgiven him plenty of times before, um, but I'd never realised in those forgiveness. I he never lied to me, or I, I never knew that he was lying to me um, when I forgave him those times. So it, it's a, it's just a bigger hurdle for me emotionally and in the person that I am to give forgiveness about that part. Absolutely. So we'll go back to something a little bit more positive um, to, to finish, to finish this out. Um, we'll wrap it up shortly. You've touched, you touched on your purpose, what you wanted to achieve with um, your boy B TV. Mm-hmm. You have told people a bunch of times, but everyone I'm sure wants to know your why. It's something that you talk about a lot. Um, talk about it to me. You know, we talk about it, talk about it to everyone else. Um, what is that? What is your why? Yeah. So my why for um, my personal life and everything that I do was I don't want to, I didn't want to have a life that I had growing up. Um, Mm. I blessings to mom, blessings to dad and everyone around me, but I wanted to have a freedom. I didn't want my children when I have them to feel as though there's pressure in the household, there's stress in the household. 
I wanted to be able to provide for my family the way that I wasn't able to be provided to. I want to be able to live the life on my terms. I want to, you know, when they go to school, I want to send them to the school that, that they want to go to or the school that's going to benefit a career that they might want to pursue or make them better people. Um, I want to be able to take my wife out and go to nice dinners and, and appreciate our love together. I want to, you know, live somewhere that's comfortable. If a kid wants to go on a sporting trip, I don't want to have to sit and fucking stress for three weeks how I'm going to find the money for that um, because I know that's what my mum um, and dad would have gone through. So I just, I don't want to live a life that I had to grow up with. I want to provide for my family in a way that I wasn't able to be provided for. And that to me was, you know, freedom, freedom of finances, freedom of choice, freedom of lifestyle. And I'm living that now. And um, that was sort of my personal why as to why I'm living the life that I'm doing now and pursued this, this side of things. And then for the mental health side of things and in and, and wanting to help a million people, you know, live happier, healthier lives is to that point as well. Like I was sick of seeing people sad, miserable and depressed and unhealthy and the, the, the chain reaction of those things and everything that they do, like talk about the mining industry, all these guys, they, they're unhealthy you know, they eat like shit. They don't sleep much. They drink beers every night. They don't train. They're unhappy because they're going to earn an income for a, an amount of money that they don't really need to buy shit that they don't really want to impress people they don't even fucking like. And time freedom, like they're tied up doing things that they don't enjoy when if they just realize that money's not everything, let's focus on our happiness. Um, then you're going to live a more fulfilled life. So I think in just seeing, and they were my workmates. So I was friends with them. I was close with them to a point where I cared about them. And when I was leaving, it's really opened my eyes to have those conversations. And they just like, Oh man, I'm so the ones that understood why I was leaving were like, fuck, that's so sick. Like, I'm going to do that. Like, I want to get into this avenue. I want to do this. I'm like, well, do it. Like, you all, everyone here says they want to leave because they hate it. I wanted to leave because I wanted to fucking help people. Um, and, and I realized in my journey that happiness was the way I measured success. Yeah. And I think the problem in that industry specifically is they value success by what someone else thinks of them. Yeah. Um, so you're doing a lot of, um, things for, for everyone else. And, and, you know, obviously for yourself as well, but what, what are you working on these days that that's for you? You know, like, what do you close the door on, you know? Um, yeah. Close that door and go to thinking, you know, what am I doing for Blake on a day to day basis or more to that, like anything that you're working on for the future or, or anything like that? Have you got, um, some things in the pipeline? Yeah, I think running's my number one thing for me. Um, yep. Everything else, um, it's it's my it's my ultimate freedom, um, because yeah, I think it's my it's my real me time. Um, I get I love it. It's my passion, um, and I've got my my own personal goals, and I feel my personal goals that I have are really focused around that. Um, so when I close the door and, and think about what I'm doing for me, I think about running. Um, but 
to that point, like everything, I don't do anything that's not making me feel fulfilled. So, you know, I, I do evocative because I feel fucking incredible when I do it. I love it, you know, because it's helping people. When I make my videos, I do your boy BTV. I love every second of it. Well, most seconds of it, apart from the bits where I'm pissed off about trying to figure out how to edit something or whatever. So everything that I do, which comes back to my personality and the messages I'm trying to get out there is I only do things that I love. I only do things that I enjoy. So everything that I do, whether it's work, business, training or whatever, eating, cooking, I do it because I love it. And I think that's a, a, such an important message to almost end on is do things that you love. You know, Find those things that make you feel fulfilled and you don't have to find that one thing that's your thing. You know, a lot of people, I, I guess to that point, not everyone has the, the freedom that I do, but I also didn't have this freedom for a long time. I was a slave to my own success. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I sacrificed a lot of shit to get to this point. Um, so now that I'm here and living it, I make sure that I do the things that continually make me fulfilled. With, um, like you said, you didn't always have this freedom and success, which I think for some people they can forget that. Um, so what would you, what would one tip be to the people that are listening today on finding their why and also, and slash also getting to a point where everything that they're doing in their life is something is for them. I knew you were going to take that, uh, that question there because I know you and obviously uh, we have that. And I knew that that's what the answer was going to be. So how do you, or how do the people listening get to a point where everything they're doing is for them? Work. <laughs> Work. <laughs> Work. Sacrifice. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I'll, I'll start with the tip on finding your why. And I've deployed this quite a lot um, in my journeys and probably on you yourself. And it's literally starts with that finding things that you love um, and go to those places that you love and, and sit with yourself, sit down. Like for me, it was, it was the beach when I realized, okay, my new journey, um, I had the relationship and I'd figured out that I was, you know, going to buy a van and then I sat with myself and figured, I actually didn't know it for quite a while because I'd fulfilled that why and my freedom was about to happen. Um, but it was through navigating things that I was doing and loving in the pursuit of my happiness that I realized that I actually wanted to help people. So if you're out there doing things that make you feel fulfilled, that are you part of your purpose, like you feel like I do this because it sets my heart on fire. You know, it sets my soul on fire. And I, I don't want to say that kids aren't that thing um, because for some people, like being a parent is their everything. You know what I mean? But if you can look deeper than that, because I heard it, I heard it a little while ago and it was what happens when your kids grow up and they leave your house, then what, what's your next step then? You know what I mean? Because once that, that, that time will come and then you've lost your whole purpose and then you, you're lost and you're miserable and you're upset, if you can have a personal thing that, that makes you fulfilled by you doing it about for yourself, that's where I think people can really try and will really can find their 
find their value. They find their motivation and they find their purpose. And when you have those two things, you have your why. So for me in finding my why was I just started living the things that I want, that I love to do. And it, it, it just popped up you know, and I felt lost because I didn't have it because I'd always functioned like that. Um, like, as you know, my screensaver for a while was my why and I re- re- relayed that message quite a lot. So when I fulfilled that and brought the van and had the financial and time and lifestyle freedoms, I felt a little bit lost because I didn't know what I was working towards. Like my, I didn't know my purpose. Like I knew I was living and enjoying myself, but I felt like unmotivated and I didn't have a direction. So by me just continually doing things that made me feel really, really good and really fulfilled was when I was able to find my why. And I, I sat with myself at times and sat down the beach because that was my happy place. And um, it, it all clicked in, into gear that way. So, so to summarize that, that was a big answer. To summarize that, you would say, do things you love, go to places that you love and it'll come basically. Yeah. Have, have patience. And I've learned a lot about finding your why through listening to this podcast. Um, so if you, if you go to the end of pretty much every episode, you'll hear tips and tricks from our guests and different people that have different whys and different experiences. And um, in, in thinking about what their whys or their tips were, it's sort of, yeah, mine's, mine's my way. That was the way I found it. Um, so there's no, there's no one way or there's no one shoe fits all, but um, I think an underlining or yeah, an underlining factor in everyone's thing was, you know, it's going to be something that you love. It's going to be something that brings you purpose and, and fulfillment. Um, but in, in finding it, I think for me, it was, it was going to the places that you love um, that you can really Perfect. with yourself. Well, and- to cut you off, no, I'm not going to cut you off actually, like um, beautiful tip. And I, I'm pretty sure I gave the very, a very similar tip um, at the end of mine is that's sort of what I did as well. I didn't really know what, what I was loving um, or what, uh, what was my why, but I found by just doing things that I enjoyed at that time, that, that sort of, that sort of come into fruition. So for everyone listening, you can find you at your boy B TV on Instagram. Yep. Um, Facebook, Blake Bradford, um, where else can they find you? Is there yeah. anywhere else? If you just um, go yourboyb.com, um, mm-hmm. I've got my link tree there. So that'll that'll navigate you to all my platforms, YouTube, um, Instagram, evocative website, everything like that. So Perfect. All right. Well, well that's all going to be down below anyway. So you'll see it down there. Thanks for your time, Blake. And you have a ripper day. Thanks, brother. I'll uh, talk to you very soon. Thanks. An incredible job. Thank you, Thank you.